Welcome to Awakening Souls, a spiritual podcast for the mystics, magical thinkers, sensitives, and spiritual seekers. We are here to explore all things spiritual, from navigating your awakening, developing your psychic gifts, and so much more. Together with our combined experiences, we hope to help guide you on your path to reconnecting with your soul and the beautiful life that comes after. So come join us on the magical journey of exploring your Awakening Awakening Souls. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Awakening Souls. Candace, Jennifer, Rose, and Ashley here. And today we are talking about the Oracle cards. So if you've never heard of Oracle cards before, let this be your introductory course to the Oracle. And if you're wondering what the heck are Oracle cards, you've probably heard of the tarot deck. And I like to think of Oracle cards as the sister to the tarot. So oracle cards, much like the tarot cards, tell a story. So if you've ever been to somebody who does oracle or tarot readings, or maybe you do them for yourself, you'll find that you most often will ask a question to the cards. You'll ask about um, looking for clarity. Maybe you want to know something about your future or how to navigate a situation or a relationship or career advice, whatever it is. And then the reader will connect with the cards and then they'll connect with their intuition and they'll pull a few cards and it lays out a story or a narrative that can help you answer your questions and gain insight. And I think that all of us here, we prefer Oracle cards over tarot, right? For sure. Yeah. So we're going to tell you a little bit about Oracle cards versus tarot cards, how they differ, why using Oracle cards can be beneficial to you and helping you navigate life or challenges or even helping you make decisions. And then we'll go into debunking some of the myths or misconceptions of tarot and oracle card readings. So why don't we talk about the differences between oracle cards and tarot cards? All right, so let's talk about the difference between oracle cards and tarot cards. So tarot cards are very structured. They have 78 cards in a deck, which are comprised of 22, what they call major arcana cards. And these cards represent like major life things when you're reading. And then there's 56 minor arcana cards that are broken down into four different suits. Much like a regular deck of cards, each suit is numbered one through 10. Then you have the page, the knight, the queen, and the king as the court cards. Each suit also has their own theme. Like we've got pentacles, which represent things in the physical and material world. Another suit is the wands, which is more spiritually related or energy movement. Then we have cups, which is connected to emotion. And then finally swords, which represents conflict or internal conflict, or even some of your greatest challenges. So with tarot, you can get really detailed and specific about things. It's like cut to the heart of the matter. And it's a great tool. Now, Oracle cards, There is no structure with Oracle cards. They don't have 78 cards in deck. You could have anything from two cards to a hundred cards in an Oracle deck. And they don't have any specific themes, no suits in the deck, nothing like that. It is often these beautiful cards that have these incredible illustrations on them. And sometimes they'll have a couple words on them to give you an idea of what the meaning of the card is but it really requires you to tap into your intuition when you're looking at the illustrations of these cards to really 
feel for the meaning of the cards and what story it has and how it relates to the question that's being asked. I personally think that Oracle decks bring a much lighter energy than tarot. I think tarot, you can get cut to the throat and Oracle is a wider range, which explains more of like the theme of what's going on or the underlying theme of the situation. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think about that? Well, I also like the difference between Oracle and tarot is the fact that tarot, you really have to learn. It's not something you can just flip through and be like, okay, got it. Mm -hmm. You have to learn it. And with with Oracle, it's all basically intuition and they've got a little booklet and you can read from the booklet. Yeah, I do find Oracle cards so much easier, probably because of that. Like my brain does not want to sit and study something (laughs) else. Not something new. (laughs) I mean, if the cards are reversed, it's a a different meaning than if the cards are face up. And when the cards are aligned in a certain order with certain things, then you have to pay attention. Oh, is there a major arcana card in there that tells like the major theme? Or is there like the little details of the minor? It's 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 a lot, guys. It was a lot. And some people are really skilled in it. Some people really love the tarot deck. I personally just use the oracle. Not that I don't think tarot has a place because for myself, I'll pull tarot cards when I need to know more details about things. I find I get frustrated easily when I'm like looking for specific answers and I'm getting Oracle cards and it's very broad Mm -hmm. and very whimsical, which is beautiful and helpful. But sometimes you just need to get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. Cause when you're pulling Oracle for someone else, you can kind of get into the nitty gritty because you're an outside perspective. But when you are pulling for yourself, you don't necessarily have that because you're so immersed in the situation. So yeah, I'll pull tarot because I need that like cunning clarity or I won't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I often will ask Rose to do my Oracle card readings for me for that exact reason, because I cannot find the answer with with uh, just the broader message. I need someone's, someone else's intuition to tell me what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Well, and different Oracle card decks have dis- different personalities as well. So mm-hmm. like there are some decks that when I grab, I know we're going to have a light and fluffy and a happy reading, um, more whimsical and fun. And other decks, if I'm guided to use that deck, I know, okay, we're going to get deep and serious and this deck is going to tell it like it is. So I like the variety in personalities that Oracle decks have so that Mm -hmm. different decks can work for different purposes. Yeah. That's actually an interesting point because like at the store, we have such a big collection of decks. So when I'm at the store, there are decks that are more specific and have a different tone, but the ones I tend to buy are very light and fluffy and like magical and etheric. So like at home, I guess I just don't have Oracle that will give me that clarity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that's a good point. Yeah. I can think of a a few decks at the store where I like, even in readings we've done um, together, Rose and I, I'll look at, you know, and be like, okay, I need a really serious, serious deck. Which one should I use? And you're like, oh, use this one. And I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jennifer, you said that you um, looked up a little bit of the history on the tarot deck. I'm curious about what that's like. Yeah, um, Tarot was basically invented in the 15th century um, in Italy. And I guess it was made for the elite 
there and they played games, card games, just basic card games. And I don't know, somehow it evolved into the way it is now. Yeah, Ashley, you were saying that the history of tarot and oracle card was kind of a mystery. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, you'll find different stories, but really like I've read things where they're they're like not super sure a lot of the specifics about it. There's the tarot deck by, oh, his name is always hard to me. Ryan. Arthur Edward White. Wait. Yeah, that and that is said to be like the kind of like the OG of the tarot card decks. Um, so like when people get into tarot, a lot of times they'll get that rider weight. I think it's pronounced like that rider weight tarot deck. Um, that's a really good one. I have Arthur Edward Waite. Hmm. Arthur Edward Waite. But See, even his name is a mystery. <laughs> this guy is this guy is way older than the 15th century. He's from 1857, and he died in 1942. Mm. I was listening. My husband sent me a podcast on tarot cards, and it was just like these these two dudes that I, I, I don't know what their podcast is about, but it is not esoteric. It is not spiritual at all. So I listened to it, expecting you know wonderful things, and they did talk about the history of tarot and they did say what you said which was that it wasn't even meant to be a tarot deck to like read cards for people it evolved into that but it started off as a card game and yeah it was really special only special people or elite people as you said could come together and play this game and you had to know how to play the game it was like um like vegas and the casinos like that that was what this was for and then it evolved into something that got taken over by the esoteric culture. And then it just kind of evolved from there. And the stigma behind tarot, I think, creates a little fear when we're talking about oracle cards, because there's negative stigma of the tarot card being occult-like or black magic or evil or predicting terrible, horrible things in your life. And I think we have a lot of um, scary movies to thank for that. Mm -hmm. But also every time I've seen anything about tarot cards or oracle cards depicted in any kind of history, it's like this scary old woman and with like her crystal ball in a dark room. The word crystal ball is so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Not too many. But the thing is, it it really isn't meant to be a scary thing. It's meant to be a divination tool to help us navigate life and challenges and just give us insight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tool. It's all on how you use it. So although the history of the tarot and the oracle jock may be kind of a mystery to us, it doesn't take away from the fact that it can have powerful um, messages and healing for those who do feel called to use it. I wonder if the game was like kind of like the game of life because if you think about the tarot it starts with like the fool and then it's the fool's journey through life so like do you all start out as that like fool card and then yeah as you get other cards it's like things are happening to you and you have to figure out how to like move past them I wonder if that's kind of like what it was like oh my gosh that That makes so much sense right yeah Mm -hmm. Let's start playing it. We'll make a clock. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. It would help you learn the cards. Uh-huh. It really would. <laughs> I'm just looking at this book that uh, came with my tarot card reading. And it said, um, the emergence of tarot cards in Europe predates by over five centuries the work of weight, 
I guess that's that guy, a German monk, um, Johannes, describes a game called Ludus Carterum, played in the year 1377. So I'm guessing that Ludus Carterum was the, like the game. Hmm. I want to look that up, though, and find out if they have like directions on how to play that game. It could be a really like insightful game because these uh -huh. topics are so deep and complex and things that we all go through. So by practicing going through these situations, I don't know, it could be kind of therapeutic. It could really help you in life if that's how it was played. <laughs> the tarot is like Wednesday Adams and Oracle is like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Glenda the Good Witch. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to share our favorite decks? It is really hard to pick a favorite Oracle card deck. They're kind of like friends. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to pick one friend over the other because I like all my friends. Yes. And you need them for all different purposes. You know, yeah. like what, what's going on in life right now? Which, which friend do I want to pull out to help me through that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I did pick one favorite for mine. Oh my gosh. What is it? It is earth magic. Like if I don't know what the reading is going to be about, or I'm just going in cold, I know I can always use that deck and get a good reading. And it was like the very first deck that I really was so super comfortable with that I didn't have to use the book. And so it was like, I could look at the card. It would tell me what it needed to tell me. And yeah, so Earth Magic is one of my favorites, but I love all of my decks. So I don't want any decks to have their feelings hurt. I probably have about 10 decks. That's, oh, that's it. Nothing. I, I figured you were going to go into the 20s. No, I have about 10. It's like... For those I can get, though, you know, more keep coming in. It's an addiction, really. Mm -hmm. Once you start collecting decks and you see another one, you're like, oh, yeah, I got to have that, too. How many decks do you girls have? I, like I, think I, I think I have like 13. I have five. She's still climbing. <laughs> I'm very strict with myself when I see them. I'm like, nope, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And like, I really have to want, like, it has to make me feel a certain way for me to actually get it. They make, yeah. they will make me feel a certain way. I know, but you really they have to, call. you have to fight through some of those and be like, <laughs> but, but does it really give me that, that certain, I don't know. It's got mm. a certain thing. And I think sometimes like, like so many decks are pretty, but once you have a deck that like this one is called sacred destiny this deck has cards with just one word on them cards like um love power release wisdom once you have one deck that has just cards with one words how many other decks do you need of cards with just one words do you know what i mean right and you mm -hmm. can't really open them up and check them though well, that sometimes on the back, they, they show you though. So yeah, I always sometimes. look at that. Yeah. I won't buy decks that don't have pictures of the cards on the back. Yeah, no, I need to know. Who yeah. else has a specific favorite deck? Well, right now, out of the five, the Sacred Forest Oracle is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's good too. It's only, good because, only because of the artwork, really. <laughs> that's the fun thing about Oracle cards is that there's such a wide variety. Yeah. And it is all like they're all different. By the artist, the person who intuitively, you know, 
designed these cards and the artistry that goes into them and the symbolism that goes into them, no two Oracle decks are going to be the same. With tarot cards, you've got a lot of structure. So every tarot deck is going to have pretty much the same structure. It may change a little bit in the artwork and it may change a little bit in like what they use as far as like, do they use pentacles or do they use coins or do they use crystals to describe like material and physical world? Or is it, you know, but generally it's all the same. So with Oracle cards, you get a much wider variety. And I think that's the addiction that comes in when you're picking yeah, up. It seems it you're like, I don't know what this one has to offer me because <laughs> I know it's going to be different than the last one. That's exactly what it is. I will say I have the Alice in Wonderland tarot deck mm -hmm. and um, I hear people say this all the time and I totally agree. If you're new to tarot and you want to start using it, but you don't know anything about it, um, getting a tarot deck on a topic that you're very familiar with is very helpful because you already have an I already know why Alice in Wonderland is about. So when I pull some of the cards, I can be like, oh, okay, like um, Alice is that first card of the fool and I know her journey. And so that is helpful. Like I know a friend of ours has like a Game of Thrones tarot deck. And um, so oh, that's, that's a, a tip that I have. So how do you guys go about picking your cards? I know, Jennifer, you said it's got to give you that, that certain feeling. Yeah. How about you, Rose? I usually ask my spirit guides. I'm like, is this card deck going to be good for me? Do I need it right now? And a lot of times I get a no. And sometimes about like the mermaid deck, I've asked a million times if I should get the mermaid deck because I like mermaids. I love that. <laughs> mermaids are awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, every time I ask, I always get no. You don't need mm. that deck. So it just doesn't have much to offer me as far as a reader, even if I do like the topic. So, and, you know, and I sometimes ignore them and get it anyway. And then I find <laughs> out that they were right, that I don't hardly ever use it, but it's pretty. Yeah. Mm, how do you guys select decks? I used to do it by artwork, but now, thankfully, I'm around so many people that have so many great collections that I won't buy a deck unless I have used it a couple times uh first just I, I I can't I can't buy like a gajillion decks I don't you know I don't <laughs> I could but I don't want to because I also have to lug my decks around and my bags get really heavy with all my decks because every time I go for a reading I'm like Rose and I'm like well okay you can come okay you can come all right I don't want to leave you here and then I have like 14 tarot decks inside my purse <laughs> you could just get a travel size luggage and stuff them all in there <laughs> the kind that maybe my crystal yeah, ball would fit in there yes oh man I think I'm still picking by artwork. The, yeah, I mean, the artwork gives you the feels and you can tell through the artwork or just from the cover or a couple of pictures on the back, like you just intuitively know like, mm -hmm. oh, this one, this mm -hmm. one's going to speak to what I need right now in my life or or not. I mean, yeah, I've got well, lots of decks where I, where I think I've opened and used once or twice and yes. I was like, me, me too. <laughs> like, I really thought that was going to be a good one. No, <laughs> it wasn't. So if you were telling somebody how to use an Oracle deck for the first time, what are the basics? How could you pull cards for yourself? What's the process? 
when I first started, I, um, my first deck was the work your light deck by Rebecca Campbell. And I would go outside, I would connect with my higher self, and I would ask for messages of truth and love for my highest good. And then I would just shuffle. And for me, cards fall out. So I collect those cards that fall and I lay them out. And then I would just straight take the book and I would read about the card. I would write some notes down and I would um, then read through that summary of the notes I had and cultivate a message. So that's how I began. And I thought that was really helpful in learning about myself in learning how to connect with my higher self and what kind of voice my higher self had. So that's how I started. It does take a while to get to know your deck. So before I use my deck of anybody, I'll, I'll sit and do the same thing. I'll just get to know it. I'll read through each card. And luckily, each deck does come with some suggestions on how you can start connecting with the cards. A lot of them come with like an opening prayer that you can do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, showing you layouts. And most of them suggest like reading through the book first, just the the entry portion, the first few pages to get to know what the Oracle deck's about, kind of where the inspiration came from, those things, and how you can use it. And then going through each one of the cards in your deck and just intuitively connecting with it, looking at the pictures, just getting the feel for each card, and then using the deck to actually answer questions for you. I like to keep, it takes a while for your energy to kind of like infuse in with the cards. So in my opinion, it does. So I like to keep the cards close to me when I'm still getting to know a deck. Sometimes I'll carry it around with me in my purse. I'll use it every night when I, before I go to bed, I'll even sleep with it next to my nightstand just so like I'm becoming familiar with the deck and it's becoming familiar with my energy. It's a relationship. You're building a relationship with your cards. How much room do you have for lots of relationships with all your cards? (laughs) Why would somebody want to get an Oracle card reading? What kinds of questions could you ask? There's no limits to the number of questions that you can ask. You can ask any question about anything in your life. Um, from work, family, relationships, um, challenges, uh, spirituality, um, what are my next steps, pretty much anything that's going on in your life, you can pose as a question for an Oracle card reading. You can keep pulling cards to get more depth to your answer as well. Because usually once you get the first answer, it usually generates more questions. And so you can keep pulling more and more cards to really get deep answers, which I love. But there is a problem when you're reading for yourself because you are biased. And so I definitely find that when I get a reading done by somebody else, um, the answers will have more depth. Sometimes the answers are things I don't really want to hear, but they're what I need to hear or it is something that I need to look at that I'm not willing to look at. So, or sometimes I'm going through a challenge and I've pulled like a million and one cards and I'm still like, I don't know what's going on. I don't get it. So at that point, I just kind of throw up my hands and I go for a reading with somebody else. So they have a different perspective. They don't have my biases. They don't have my history and they can come in with kind of a clean slate 
and I'm much more likely to get the answer that I'm looking for, or maybe better yet, the answer that I need. So there's really no limit to what you can ask. You can ask anything at all. And spirit is going to give you the answer that you need to help you be aligned with your path and your journey. So, I mean, have you guys ever had readings where you do a reading, whether for yourself or for somebody else, and the answer you're pulling, you know, 100% is not the answer that they or you want to hear. Have you had that experience? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How does that feel <laughs> when you're doing a reading for somebody and you just know that's not what they're wanting to hear? Uh, I actually love it. <laughs> really? Tell us about that. Yeah. Why do you love it? I, because um, why do I love that? I don't know. There's something, it's a good feeling to know, like, okay, I have just hit something that you weren't aware of yet. That wasn't brought to your attention, or maybe that you've been overlooking. Now that we have like that missing piece of the puzzle, we can dig in deeper and get more answers and get more clarity around the subject. So I like it because I like to go deep into like people's subconscious and into their healing. So if we can dig deeper and I can find something that they weren't expecting, then great. Do you ever feel hesitant about sharing that? Or is it just like, yay, here we go. Yay, here we go. <laughs> no shame here. Do you get hesitant, Rose? Um, yes, but I do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Because I, I can almost feel the energy that of this message and how it's going to be perceived. And it's like, I know it's going to maybe hurt a little bit. And the last thing I want to do is cause anybody pain. So, so yeah, but I do. And, and I think there's also a trick to delivering a message, um, even if it's a difficult one, but offering hope. You know, yeah. so, so that's something that you can really do too, is just really try and deliver it in a way that they understand, but you don't want people to feel judged or anything like that. So that's a balance that you've yeah. got to, you've got to really be careful with when you're reading for others. See, that's where I love reading for other people because, um, when I'm reading tarot or oracle for someone else i'm intuitively picking up on so much um i'm picking up on physical things i'm picking up on their aura i'm um connecting oftentimes with loved ones who have passed so there's so much information coming in along with the story of the oracle so it just feels extraordinary and like a holistic approach to finding that clarity or problem solving or moving forward. So that's part of why I love doing readings for other people is because it's just a really interesting and in, intuitive read. Um, whereas like when I'm reading for myself, I, I am me. So I know what parts of my body hurt already. <laughs> and I, I am so connected with my loved ones who have passed. So it's, it's just, it's so hard to read when you're so close to a situation, but it's mm -hmm. so easy to read when you're reading for someone else. Mm -hmm. 
I love reading for complete strangers, people who just walk into the shop that I've never seen, never met before, don't know their friends and family because you know nothing about them. You don't have anything more than a hello exchange. So you've got no information to go off of. And then you can give them this incredibly intuitive reading. And the cards really are just like the anchor to the story. But we are, as intuitives, tapping into all of our senses and giving it a complete intuitive reading about whatever comes up in that in that reading. And it, it is magical. And I love the moment when people are like, oh my God, how did you know that? How could you have known that? That's exactly me to a T. That those are fun moments. Mm-hmm. I had a reading the other day uh, with someone who just randomly came in and I didn't know them. And she sat down and I immediately started picking up on all of these sensations. And I explained them to her. And I was like, this is connected to a, ch- a child. And she was like, and, and the sensations were kind of like nervousness. I don't want to say too much, but in like nervousness and, and I hadn't even pulled any cards. She's like, Oh my gosh, my daughter tried calling me before I came in here and I didn't answer. And she like ran out the door. She's like, I'm going to call my daughter. <laughs> Did she come back? She didn't need to, because I also, we, we chatted about what her daughter wanted. Uh, so she knew, but, but it was just really funny. See, I'm not, but I, you guys are. When it comes to intuitively reading the cards, I'm still like, I don't know if it's because I let my nerves get in the way and I get really nervous when I'm reading, but I go right to the book. I I don't try to intuitively read because I know I'm not going to be able to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I'm just at that stage right now. I can give a good card reading and I get the, oh my gosh, that is totally what's going on in my life from people, but I'm not intuitively picking up what's going on with those cards. I have to read in the book. Honestly, the books are so packed full of nuggets of wisdom. The way that people write their Oracle card deck books, I mean, it's just beautiful. So um, I highly recommend reading the books because the way that they put things into words is often it just goes beyond even what I take from the cards. It's, it's really beautiful. They do such good jobs. There's a lot of depth to what they write too. So it it goes like, I feel like it just folds in layers and layers and layers of like, of wisdom, as Ashley said already. Yeah. I mean, they spend a lot of time on writing those and each card is its own little chapter of this incredible story that unfolds. So I don't think there's anything wrong with reading a book. And not everyone has to get to the place where they feel like they can use just their intuition to read read Oracle decks. I mean, for it to be useful and helpful, there's nothing wrong with going into the book. Yeah. I mean, you got to learn yeah. somehow, right? Yeah. The more you do it, the better you get. And not, the bike. <laughs> not everyone has the desire to go any further with right. it, you know, mm-hmm. just to use it for their personal growth. So if somebody was going to purchase their very first Oracle deck, how do you recommend they make the decision as to which deck to purchase? How should look they at, go doing that? Look at the pictures on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I the one that lights you up. I yeah. mean... 
-hmm. you're not going to make a wrong decision. You're going to learn something from whatever deck you choose. Mm -hmm. Uh, So pick one that you just gravitate to and dive in. Like I have a astrology deck. I love astrology. So for me, I love this Oracle card deck. It's the Star Codes Astro Oracle. Um, I also love the Moonology deck, but that one has astrology and I love that deck. I love it because it builds upon the um, knowledge that I already have. So that's a good way to pick a deck. What about picking a reader? If you don't want to have a deck of your own, but you want to get a reading done, what are some suggestions that you guys have for picking the right reader? It can be hard to find a reader just in general, because if you like Google, you know, Oracle card reader near me, you often, you won't even get a result. My advice is to ask a friend, like if, if you hear someone talking about having had a good reading, go to that person. That's how I've always done in the past, because I think it can be really hard. It's like finding a needle in a haystack, trying to find a good card reader that you feel like you trust, you know? Yes. Before I found you guys who I go to for everything now, um, I, I spent like a good year and a half looking for a, a psychic, an intuitive, or someone to do these readings for me because I was curious and I wanted to learn. And I went shopping around and mm-hmm. got some really awful readings. <laughs> And yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like trying on shoes. You just got to keep trying them on until you find the right fit. There you go. Um, but I will say that if you don't have anybody that you know who, who's gone to get an Oracle card reading, maybe you're like the black sheep of your friends and you're the only one who's interested in this. Ask your guides to help lead you to the right person, the right place that can give you what you need or point you in the right direction. And then use your gut intuition to tell you whether or not a reading or a reader is going to be a good fit for you. If you Mm -hmm. walk into a shop and you get the ickies, you don't feel good when you walk in there or you get weird vibes, then let that be your intuition and say, okay, never mind. I'm going to look somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to say no, thank you. Yeah. Because it's try again. They're not me. They're not a bad person. You guys should start a vibrational match, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask you, Candace, though, what was, what made those readings bad? Like, what was it? Zero information came through at all about, um, anything that resonated with me. Oh, were you asking questions? Yes. And then the answers were just like not applicable. Yes. I've actually mm-hmm. had a lot of, even recently I've had readings like that with people. I had a mediumship reading for myself where nothing was applicable to me. Maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I got a block up. (laughs) You know, that's actually a good point though. If you're not going into a reading, being open to it, your answers are not going to be as, as spot on as they could be. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes that's just sitting down and telling yourself like, okay, I'm allowing myself to open up to this reader. I'm in a safe space. I'm going to take what resonates and let go of what doesn't. And that's okay. You know, you can make that discernment by sitting down with a reader and then like predicting your future. It doesn't write it in stone. You know, I think that's a a big misconception and why people have 
fear over what this is. This is a tool to help you for your highest good. It is not a tool to uh, have someone sit down and tell you all these bad things that are going to happen. Um, and then, and then you believe that and, you know, make it happen. Does that make sense? Very much so. Cause you know, every once in a while we'll get somebody that comes in, that's a complete skeptic mm-hmm. and they expect us just to prove our ability to them. And yeah. that's a really quick way to shut down a reader is coming in with that energy because you've got all of these walls up and you're expecting the reader to do the, all the work to break down your walls. And that's just really not productive. No, it's a waste of energy for everybody. Mm-hmm. I will call out the walls. I will tell them that they have blocks. Before I started working with you guys, I was working in another place and I had someone come in just like that, who was a complete skeptic. And that's all I could get for him from him was his skepticism. So I called him out and I mean, I'm gentle about it. I like to be forthcoming. I like to be honest and I like to call out the BS, but I do it in a way that's also gentle enough that isn't so jarring <laughs> and rude. <laughs> but but with that, when I, I find that I call out those blocks and I, I at least let them know that I'm aware of them and that's what I'm picking up, sometimes that's enough for them to start letting down the walls because they go, oh, she knows. She already mm-hmm. knows. Like she gets it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't think I have blocks up. So when I go get readings from other people, I don't think that there's anything there that wouldn't allow them to connect because I do believe I am open and I do understand that intuition is going to be different and how it's used for every person. So the readings come through, but yeah, I have definitely had readings before in the past where nothing made any sense. And I've had readings recently with myself that have not made any sense. And I think sometimes when you're, looking for specific answers or you're expecting one kind of answer, then what you receive may not resonate because not that it's not true. It's just that you had different expectations. And so it's hard to let go of the expectations. Yes. I had a mediumship mediumship reading with a woman who was looking for me to specifically connect with her father who had passed. And she wanted me to like basically word for word, repeat what, what she said to him as he was passing. And in her head, if I said those exact words with, without her saying anything, even as to who she wanted to connect with, then that made the session valid. Mm -hmm. And so I was saying lots of other things that were true, but at the end, because I didn't say her exact quote to her father, as he passed, she invalidated the entire thing and it doesn't work like that yeah there has to be a level of openness from the person getting read yeah and of course like ashley said using discernment you know taking what resonates leaving leaving everything else behind or or just leaving it as a question mark going "Mm, i don't know if i quite understand or i don't know if it resonates with me right now but i can marinate on that think about it sit with that for a little bit and see you know, how that plays out later. Yeah. So often like people will come back and they'll be like, oh, you guys said X, Y, Z. And at the time I, I didn't think it was applicable at all, but then a week later, that exact thing came up and they were blown away. So yeah, sometimes you have to give it time. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you guys ever had um, a reading where you predicted, because this is the stigma. This is like part of the fear behind it is that you're something is going bad is going to happen. You're going to predict something bad that's going to happen in their lives. Have you guys ever had a reading where that happened? I don't, I don't, I don't intentionally do a lot of future predicting because at this point with where we are, timelines shift way too fast. So I will do bits and pieces, but it's rare that I'll sit down with someone and just forward predict. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you guys? I mean, I would if someone asked me to, but it doesn't usually come up because a lot of the sessions that I do are healing sessions and we're working on other things. I will get clients that want concrete predictions. Like, am I going to um, meet a future romantic partner? Okay, well, that, okay, I do get that a lot. Me, I, get, I get that one a lot too, you know? And when, how, you know, how is that going to be? So I do get that a lot. Yeah, I do. I've got that's that actually too. usually pretty easy to predict. Yeah, and usually I will give them whatever number comes to me intuitively, but I always follow that up with um, the future is changeable. I said, so this is a ballpark estimate, but it's only if everybody stays on their current path that they're on right now and nobody makes any changes at all. And I said, and the likelihood of that happening, you know, is slim. So yeah, I always, I'll give them a number, but then I will always say, you know, no guarantee, just a ballpark. But I do think that there are, big things that are unlikely for people to pass up in their future. And then there's smaller play-by-play things that are more um, kind of shifty. So some of those larger sort of, like maybe we would deem it as like fate type things or destiny type things. Um, some of those are more accurately predicted because it's, it's kind of like it's, it's in your contract. You're most likely going to come across it, but, but um, yeah, some of those other more, they're, they're important details, but they're details that we have a lot of influence over. Those are some of the things that people often ask and they just have a lot of, they're, they're in a f- more fluid state. Mm-hmm. So I guess it just depends. It depends on what you're asking, where you're at. I would never seek out that information in a negative way. If something's, and then we've talked about this, but if something's coming across, even if it's, if it, it could be hard, could be challenging, but that's not necessarily negative. I mean, we're there to get down to the root. So yes, we're going to, but it's not meant to scare you or or freeze you. We're, we're there to, to find ways to empower you through it. And I also feel like if we've got a big challenge ahead a lot of times we're not forewarned about it at all. I feel like spirit will sometimes keep that information <laughs> to itself because it wouldn't do a person any good to know about it ahead of time. In fact, it might just make things worse. And if this yeah. is a challenge that's part of your life plan, that's part of a lesson you're supposed to learn, then it might not be something you know about until it's happening. 
Yeah. I can yeah. think of a lot of things in my life that I would have liked to heads up on, but they just happened. And then that's part of my, you know, lesson, my life experience is figuring out how to navigate those. What I think is really interesting is um, on another level, you know, I really do find that we have a lot more knowledge of those things that are coming and, and we're doing a lot of work in planning it. And what I found in past life regression is um, we kind of have these checkpoints where, um, you know, the next big thing is coming around the corner and we can choose to move through it, or we can choose to sort of change it up a little bit or push it off. Or if it's something that, um, we just don't want to do at all. Um, sometimes people, you know, they'll, they'll kind of choose an out, um, say they've lived a long life and they've experienced quite a lot. Uh, and then the next big thing is coming up and they decide on a subconscious level that, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. I, I, I don't want to tackle this next big thing. It'll take an exit point. So we have more control than we realize. And on another level, we, we do know what we're doing. Uh, but you're right, Rose. Yeah. Knowing about it consciously, I don't think would always serve our highest good. I find too that when we're we're doing readings and things like that, that when things come up that are challenging or that somebody might consider to be quote unquote negative, that they already have an idea inside of what's coming, of, of what challenges they're about to head into. Um, I had a reading recently with someone where we talked about a storm coming in and I didn't know what the storm was, but she did. And so I thought I was breaking news to her. And she was like, no, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm, I'm working through some things. So I think that the Oracle cards are a great reflection to help you see maybe what you are already intuitively connecting with, what you already know is going on on a subconscious level. And it just brings it out onto the paper for you so you can actually see it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And have a conversation about it with someone, which is usually helpful. Um, yeah, I think when you're, an intuitive person, which, you know, most of you listening to this podcast, you are very intuitive. Uh, card readings become more confirmation and validation than, um, uh, oh my gosh, I didn't, wow, I can't believe you pulled this card. I, <laughs> I didn't see this coming, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you guys are too intuitive for that. <laughs> yeah. I've never had a reading where I, I've totally surprised somebody with, with information. So Surprised that like, maybe, you know, that, you know, but not yeah. surprised that like, um, that it's coming up. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause at the end they'll be like, oh yeah, I understand. And I, that totally resonates. I know exactly where this is going. So that's, that's the, um, the stigma behind any kind of psychic ability or any kind of reading in general is like, oh my God, they're going to give me something I don't want to know, or give me terrible, horrible information about my future. They're going to project my death or a death of somebody else. And that's just not the case. And as Ashley's already said, you know, I think intention has so much to do with it. And if we're intending that this is a modality for healing and for love and for light, then that's what you're going to receive. So going back to using your personal intuition to decide if getting a reading is correct for you, if the reader has the highest intentions or the goodest and best intentions for you and for, for your healing and your growth moving forward, always coming back to using your intuition because we all have it and it's mm -hmm. a tool to help us navigate life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I think it's unfortunate that with most things, it's the triggering extremes that get talked about the most. You know, it's those death predictions uh, because it's shocking. Um, And so that's what you hear people talking about. And that is not the reality of most card readings. And that's not the purpose or intention of card readings that at least I do. But people like to talk about the most shocking aspects. Oh, actually, what's really crazy is that, did you guys know that shock is a form of putting people into hypnosis? No. Yes. So like a lot of television or um, the news, they will use a lot of shocking things because they're trying to slip you into hypnosis. Do you ever notice like if something shocking happens, you kind of like get floaty for a second Mm -hmm. because you're hypnotized. So if you can get into a level of being hypnotized, they can subliminally program you much easier. So shock is... (laughs) It's a tricky thing. All right, guys, that's our episode today on Oracle card readings. I hope this is helpful for you. There are really so many facets that we can get into with Oracle card readings. If you guys have questions or you're curious about getting an Oracle card reading, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Email us. Um, You can email us at rourawakeningsouls at gmail.com. Or you can email us at sanctuaryreikicenter at gmail.com and we can do our best to answer any questions that you have. And now we're going to go ahead and talk about our mystic moments. All right, everyone, welcome to our mystic moments. This week, we are doing a reading with Anna. And we did a Reiki session. So each one of us went around and we gave Anna a little Reiki. And um, so we're just going to share kind of what came up in that mini Reiki session. Anna, please know that you received healing through this session. So anything that comes up or anything that we talk about, know that we worked to help you heal and clear that and always with the best intention for your highest good. Okay, so who wants to go first? So Anna, I connected with you. And as soon as I connected with you, the very first thing that I felt was sadness. And my eyes just started watering up and I just started crying. And so you've got some sadness going on right now. And I kind of just asked, where's that sadness coming from? And it just felt heart chakra. Really, that's all that I worked on. I just put my hands on my heart chakra, sending that to your heart chakra. And I just kept sending you lots of love and lots of healing. And I could feel you doing a lot of releasing. Um, Intuitively, I felt that your heart was kind of tired and weary. It's like there's been pain going on for a sustained amount of time. And you're struggling to work yourself through that. The one message I got is that you're not in this alone, though you may feel that way, and to reach out for help. That's really all I had. So I got a similar message um, towards the end of me sending the Reiki. My whole back 
was feeling a little achy. And so that too was a message of wanting a little bit of support. Um, so yes, if you need support or want support, um, do reach out for it. And then I, as soon as I opened up the channel with you, Anna, um, I was getting a lot of physical sensations that I um, translated into some messages. So the first message is give yourself some grace. Don't be so hard on yourself. And then I was getting um, some blurred vision and sort of like a lack of breath that made me feel sort of frozen. Just remember, um, during this period of time, don't be so hard on yourself. That will help to bring you out of that state of freeze. We did let go of a lot of stored emotion in your sacral area. Um, that's the area that I worked on the most. So I love that Rose and I worked on different areas. <laughs> And then I asked your higher self if it had any messages for you and your higher self actually got like swelled with emotion and it, it said, Anna, you're so radiant. Um, and then it said, don't worry, this too shall pass. And a time is coming for you to let loose and to feel carefree. So you don't feel like that now. And if you're sort of longing for that, that peace, your higher self said it's coming. But remember, give yourself some grace. And that's what I got. Beautiful. Okay. So I did get similar messages, but also different messages. So first, let me say, Anna, two things can be true at once. So I started, Anna, with your root center and in your root, it was like, I kept seeing like rainbows wanted to come through and rainbows for me usually mean new beginnings or transformation of some kind, but they were sparking. It's like they were trying to ignite, but they weren't full rainbows yet. And what I got from that was that there's change and transformation within you that's starting to ignite but it did feel like something was kind of blocking it or getting in the way. And it, it felt a little bit like maybe you weren't sure you wanted that change or transformation, or maybe you were timid to like go full throttle with this change and transformation. And so then through those lower chakras, I was getting um, like this new surge of creative energy in the sacral that you were ready to start taking responsibility for your life and the direction of your life. That's really exciting stuff. Felt like you were really personally driven to have, to grow and to evolve. And then in that solar plexus, it felt like confidence was starting to emerge, but it's like your confidence is being really challenged right now in ways that you're not used to, that you're having to step outside of your comfort zone a lot more, which could also be where that block is coming from in that root of like, oh God, I'm about to step outside of my comfort zone. I don't know if I want this. And so your safety feels like it's threatened a little bit. That could be true. The heart, I didn't get like a lot of sadness. I got a lot of gratitude and love. But then with that also came shadows that I saw, which was symbolizing that you were starting to come out of the shadows or you were working through some shadows. So I think that's interesting. 
Um, and then as we got through the upper chakras, we removed a couple of blocks from the throat and the third eye. All of those felt very fear-based or like you were um, suppressing, expressing yourself fully. That definitely came through the throat chakra. So if you haven't listened to our throat chakra episode, I highly recommend going back an episode or two and taking a listen to that one. I think that might resonate with you. And then it also felt like when we got to the upper, the third eye and the crown, that maybe there's a lot of mental stress going on. So just taking a breath is what your higher self said. And we don't need to force decisions that you've got time. So just let the decisions come to you. And um, as for me, I I just kind of did a, a focused a little bit on each chakra. And when I started, it was I started at the crown and I just kind of felt a little bit of chaos and just not not very settled. Um, but when I hit the solar plexus, that's when I kind of I don't know. I just felt very calm and comfortable. Yeah, she definitely was pulling in a lot of energy. So that's the important thing, right? Mm -hmm. All right, Anna, I hope that was so helpful for you. Um, please reach out to us if you have any questions or comments or anything that you'd like to share with us. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this podcast episode. If you were wanting to have a reading done live on our show as well, don't forget that you can follow us on our social media pages at awakening underscore souls underscore podcast or at Sanctuary Reiki Center, either on Facebook or Instagram. And look out for our posts about when we're going to be doing the next reading so you can enter to win. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you so much. If you liked this conversation, don't forget to leave us a positive review. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye.